Hello and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. I'm Ashley Nickel with the Packer and PMG, and today we have two conversations for you. First, we bring you an interview with Noah Hoffman, Vice President of North American Surface Transportation for C.H. Robinson. Noah talks with our Editor-in-Chief Tom Karst about truck rates and the factors increasing demand for transportation. Next, you'll hear a recap of our special Women in Produce section, an annual feature in the newspaper where we honor eight influential industry leaders. So up first, here's that conversation between Tom Karst and Noah Hoffman. This is Tom Karst, editor of the Packer, and I'm here this morning with Noah Hoffman, Vice President of North American Surface Transportation for C.H. Robinson. And, and Noah, here we speak on April 29th, and this is a, a interesting time for uh, Transportation issues, a floral market, a lot of flowers coming into the country, uh, a lot, a lot of things going on with transportation right now. So I thought it'd be great to visit with you about uh, how you see that. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, I appreciate it, Tom. And uh, you know, we we expect uh, this floral season to be one for the record books, and uh, consumers, you know, we're expecting to spend over two point six billion dollars on floral this season, and uh, temperature control and perishable. Supply chain is C.H. Robinson's specialty for sure, and I'm glad to be here to, to talk to you today about how we bundle services and bring solutions for very complex business uh, challenges. And we talk about this year and how it's unique, perhaps. I think we're, we're coming out of the pandemic, perhaps. Is that part of the big demand for floral or the, the timing of a, you know, a lot of, the, of course, Mother's Day is, is essential when we think about all this, but what makes this a especially interesting year? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. That's a spectacular question. A couple of things that come to mind. Um, folks have been home for well over a year, so floral is one way to liven up the home. Obviously, a Mother's Day, uh, and people uh, are looking to make make mom happy and and bring joy to the home, and flowers mean a lot from a from a sentimental value perspective. Um, but if you think about it in a year over year perspective, last year, the timing of the floral season and, and Mother's Day uh, was quite unfortunate given uh, a lot of folks were spending their uh, their dollars on essential goods and, and finding means to to um, not necessarily stockpile, but but go in and find goods that met the needs of the household versus spending them on floral. And so um, the the overall floral expenditure was down two thirds last year, while the rebound this year is expected to be record breaking. So 2.6 billion is far exceeding um, what we've even saw as from a record year in 2016. Um, and then mm -hmm. when we talk about what's unique is that the the truckload environment and from a capacity or supply constraint environment, um, <clears throat> we're seeing uh, a space where the load to truck ratio, which is the, the amount of temperature controlled loads available mm -hmm. for refrigerated capacity versus uh, the supply available is 19 to one today, which is four times greater than wow. four years ago. So, I mean, we're in a unique environment. So that's an interesting number. And I, sometimes I've, <clears throat> I've heard that number in other contexts. So 19 to one, meaning <clears throat> there's, there's 
big demand for trucks and that's not necessarily ready supply to fill each one or what, how would you describe, how, how does that tr translate into how, you know, load gets shipped? I mean, are there, are there enough trucks to meet the demand right now? Would you say? The, the quick answer is no. So in Florida, where 91% of floral comes in, you know, into the Miami airport for customs, for um, sort and sag, and then distribution out, there is not enough supply down in Florida. And so provide, transportation providers are uh, deadheading, which basically means moving empty capacity from Carolinas, Georgia, Alabama, uh, Tennessee, you name it, down into Florida to meet the demands and meet the service level requirements um, that are needed to meet the really short time window they have to hit to hit the, uh, the, the floral demand for Mother's Day. On top of that, you've got all sorts of commodities from a produce perspective popping, which are, call it, a almost a month delayed due to the cold snap. Um, so you got compounding effects there. Additionally, not to be dramatic, but additionally, we do have road check coming up next week. So the DOT road check has a strong tendency to pull capacity off the roads, um, both due to um, the fact that there is delays caused by inspections, mm -hmm. but then also, um, you know, capacity that just, the, that's the week they're going to take a pause um, because everyone needs to break time and time again, right? Wow. So a pressure on rates, and I've heard this from other folks, whether in California or other other parts of the country, uh, produce truck rates are, are also elevated right now. How does the market now say compared to a year ago or maybe a, you know some point of comparison earlier in this year? Uh, are, are we seeing a little bit elevated truck rates right now for produce? Yeah, I mean, every... Every article that you read you know, showcases that temperature-controlled truck rates are up anywhere from 25 to 40 percent, given given whatever part of the country you're talking about. Um, but it's not a true comparison because you're, you know, it's not apples to apples when you're looking at last uh, March, April versus this March, April, given pandemic impacts and and all the seasonality components to that. What I will say is that you know the truckload market is completely out of balance um, and, and will be for, and, and we foresee it being for the next few quarters for sure. You know, the structural constraints, it takes 12 to 14 months to get a new truck, a new trailer. Um, the government stimulus is driving additional spending. Um, you know, we see the retail expenditures going up anywhere from five to 8%. Just, um, the NRF information that's out there perishable uh, uh, consumption, as well as, you know, the back half reopening as the vaccination, or the vaccination becomes more available, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, as well as ongoing infrastructure spend. So there's, there's, uh, it creates co a complex environment when you have a lot of inter interdependent things going mm -hmm. on um, that uh, not only impact the truckload environment, um, but in, impact all modes, specifically in, in the temperature-controlled supply chain world. So this is a um, an issue that the, I, I know we mentioned the the coronavirus pandemic and and you know the 
relief and all that. Some folks have talked about the stimulus payments, maybe keeping some folks home and not available uh, just for a while or what. Is that happening with maybe the truck drivers as well? Are they are are they are they uh, motivated to work or is it just um, just supply and demand that the you know the there's going to have to be more capacity built or what any underlying driver shortage that's part of this as well or is it is it uh, just the economy moving up and demanding more capacity? <clears throat> there's both, so it's uh-huh. there is more demand mm-hmm. uh, than this time last year for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't speculate on any sort of numbers, but yes, the whether it's PPP or the top ups that we've seen from unemployment in previous years, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the ongoing stimulus packages that are, that are available mm-hmm. uh, as well as um, the demand for warehouse construction and all the things mm-hmm. that are true. Mm-hmm. New pool driver um, availability off the road, um, especially in the long haul environment. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's something that we need to keep a close eye on as demand continues to increase. Supply hasn't kept up with that even since June of last year as, as the early reopening started from a state, you know, state's reopening because um, supply quickly diminished, demand rapidly diminished, but then rapidly came back and supply wasn't able to keep up. Mm. How do you see... Uh, folks approaching transportation now, I, I suppose a good amount of produce is under contract with transportation companies, but I mean, I'm sure it varies. There's a lot of spot market as well. Uh, is there, is there any trends that you see, I guess, and how folks are approaching, you know, how they want to approach, you know, how they want to deal with the hot transportation markets and, uh, you know, any particular trends you see out there? That's a great question. You know, due to the volatility that we're currently in, uh, we've seen a lot of shippers and and receivers move that control purchase orders from a transportation perspective, move to a shorter duration. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you when you talk about price commitments and service level commitments. um, Mm -hmm. And so both from a committed perspective, but also creating a variable strategy under shorter terms, but then also a spot strategy to say, mm-hmm. here's how we're going to look at things in, in different lenses to say, here's my stable volume, here's my slightly variable volume, and then here's my spot stuff that's all over the place. And I, wa- I want to know that I have the cert- my service requirements are going to be met. Yes, the price might change, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my end customer, which mm-hmm. at the end of the day is you and I, right? Right. And and when we order something or purchase something at the store, it's going to be there. And so um, folks are shifting um, the, the term that I like to call the iron triangle, right? When you look at mm-hmm. speed, price, and then service flexibility is which, which one are you going to pull on? Um, and we're seeing more be flexible on um, that, that price component mm-hmm. to ensure service and ensure speed, especially mm-hmm. Sure, sure, and and uh, one one I guess one interesting thought about floral. I it's a fascinating part of the perishable business, but I don't know. I don't have a good perspective on how big it is compared to produce and and how it's shipped. Uh, typically, is is our floral flower products 
shipped um, in trucks commingled with produce sometimes, or they need their own environment and are shipped separately from other perishables like produce? Or how does how does that work? You know, when you're in South Florida, do you try to you know have a load mixed with produce and floral, or how, how does that work? Great question. So the majority of so what's for this year? Let's talk about this. Majority of florals coming out of Colombia, um, and and is shipped air cargo uh, via charter planes mm-hmm. for the. And so, um, once it arrives, and as we plan for arrival in like nineties ish percentage of uh, volume coming through or imported into the U.S. comes into the into Miami International. Mm-hmm. Each Robinson does have a facility, a 50,000 square foot facility on the tarmac uh, in Miami at Miami International, mm-hmm. where, where once it passes through customs, we move it into our temperature controlled facility. We do sort and seg and then uh, handle the handle the outbound distribution. Mm-hmm. That's where it hits the road, right? Uh-huh. The trucks. Um, additionally, we have 12 service centers around uh, strategically placed around the nation uh, for forward distribution. So we'll pull truckload volumes into these facilities and then do final mile deliveries. And some of that might be to distribution centers for large uh-huh. retail. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it might be to store level for convenience stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, at that final leg, I guess you'll see some mixed uh, volume of maybe other perishables in that in that load, but uh, a lot of straight loads coming out of Miami with just flowers in them, I suppose. Yeah, that final mile will be on on more short trucks mm-hmm. uh, than semis. Mm-hmm. Uh, non holidays, you'll see uh, perishables, um, other perishables mixed with floral. Uh, but for the major holidays, there's. Mm-hmm. You know, a ton of demand where where we're moving truckload volumes, and then it's just, you know, what size of trailer are we pulling? Yeah, right. Well, very fascinating, and it's a, a timely topic. And this uh, uh, transportation is critical to the whole uh, produce supply chain every every single day. So, Noah, good to good to hear your perspective, and thanks for making us aware of these issues right now. Appreciate it. I appreciate the time, Tom, and you know, we take great pride in making sure Mom not not only gets the flowers on time, but they look beautiful and Indeed. Very good. Thanks. Thanks so much. So that was Tom's conversation with Noah Hoffman of CH Robinson. We hope you enjoyed it. Now we'll take you over to a recap of our Women in Produce special section where Tom and I talk with Northeast editor Amy Souter about the notable industry leaders we interviewed for these features. Amy, we'll, we'll start with you. Who are a couple of the, the women that you've been able to, to profile over the last month or so? Yes. Um, well, the one that's out on our website and social media today is Brittany Lee, who is, um, she was a great example of um, of someone who doesn't just uh, advocate for their company and try to increase business in their company, but also, um, <laughs> also <laughs> uh, her, she's a blueberry grower in Florida and um but she really fights, she's really good with uh, t- speaking and advocating with legislative officials and government in, in fighting for um, domestic blueberry growers. And she worked with six states 
including Florida, to form a, a coalition to, to really um, advocate for and educate legislators, legislators on the, the difference between this seasonal crop and, and the way they make rules for seasonal crops um, and how it doesn't really work. It's not a one-size-fits-all thing, and it leaves them out. Um, and so I was just really impressed with, with that, with talking with her and, and some of the people that she comes in contact with. And then there was Charlotte Vick of Vick Family, Vick Family Farms. And uh, she was really cool um, with the style that she manages uh, people at the farm. And she, she also talked about, she like made me cry a, a little bit, like just um, the the family history and and like her memories of like sleeping in the pickup truck when her family had to like go out and and do farming things in the middle of the night and she was little um and and trying to like she and her brother had a plot when her grandfather gave them one acre each or something or, or maybe less but then they had to grow it themselves and then they would go to the local grocery store or set up their own little farm stand like when they were kids and sell it and and she told a funny story about um she ran out of product to sell and so she sold her brother's toys <laughs> <laughs> real go-getter right <laughs> but she had she learned her lesson um she had to get it back but uh <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah, that was pretty cool. And then there's uh, Chelsea Consolo, who um, is a really good example of a young leader in produce, um, who also happens to be in blueberries uh, in New Jersey, though. And um, she was really, really enthusiastic about PMA's, I think it was PMA's young leadership group. Um, uh, she was in a, a class recently and um, said it was just like a really, really, really transformative experience for her and how it can be isolating a little bit being a young, a really young person in, in the produce industry. And she really got out of connecting with other young leaders um, in our industry. So um, that was cool too. So what about you or Tom? <laughs> Tom, we'll let you go. Okay. Yeah. I had a couple great, uh, uh, gals that I talked to, uh, Jenny Coleman of Equifruit and Rochelle Bohm of CMI Orchards in, in Wenatchee, Washington. And um, yeah, with Jenny, it was really uh, fun to talk to her about, you know, what she's doing with fair trade bananas in Canada and, and expanding maybe even North America, and US and all that. But uh, her, her passion is really remarkable for not only fair trade, but she you know, her family, uh, she has a special needs daughter. So we talked a lot about family, just her and I, I guess, not not as much in the, the interview, but uh, that that was fun just to hear about that and um, some, um, her journey that she's been on throughout, you know, previously with Bombardier, I guess they're a big Canadian uh, manufacturer of planes, trains and automobiles. I don't know. Yeah, but more or less, <laughs> that's the idea of it. Uh, but she had a great corporate career. But then, you know, when when uh, she had the opportunity to look at produce as as a career that gave her flexibility and for her family, and also a real uh, opportunity to make a difference with fair trade, that was uh, a big part of her story. So then, Rochelle, growing up in New Zealand and then Australia, she had been four wheeling around some of the orchards that CMI now works with you know uh, she wasn't from a growing family herself in New Zealand but um, now with CMI she 
she's, you know, working with some of those growers that um, she used to be growing up around in New Zealand. So that was a fun story. And she, she's had quite a journey herself. So just remarkable. The, the, the women out there that are really uh, so creative, so um, deliberate in terms of how they approach, you know, in, in Rochelle's case, brand management and marketing and, uh, and also in, in, you know, for Equifruit, they've done some real creative things with that. So it's, it's amazing to see that. I mean, I mean, you look at a, a individuals like that and they're, they're remarkable. And uh, Ash, I'm sure you've had that experience too. What was it like for you? Oh, a hundred percent. So I, I had a really, really awesome group that I got to, got to talk with a little bit as well. Um, Michelle Youngquist over at Bay Baby Produce, she's one of the founders of that company. So got to hear a little bit about, you know, her, her journey over the last, you know, two plus decades um, of, of, so one of the products they're known for is their, their painted pumpkins. And she said, like, like any entrepreneur, she said she, she had heard no a lot early on, right? She heard people tell her, you know, why, why would I ever want something like that? And she said, you know, they, they just didn't have the vision yet, but, but I, I had the vision, you know, she said, so eventually, you know, folks, folks came around and it was cool to hear about, you know, how they have steadily expanded over the years um, from a few different folks who, who work closely with the company. They're like, their growth has been amazing. Um, so, so that was a really neat story to hear um, just their, their focus on, on quality and, and Michelle personally, you know, wants to have eyes on every, every step of the process, you know, so she can know exactly what is going out to customers and, and feels good about that. Um, Sarah Fry with Fry Farms was another one, another entrepreneur. Uh, we actually heard her speak at um, Southern Exposure just recently, tell her story a little bit. Um, and uh, we, we had a we had a 500 word count limit, of course, for our articles. And Sarah has literally written a book on her story. So that tells you a little <laughs> bit about uh, kind of the, the incredible you know, journey that she has been on. Um, it's actually being made into a TV series as well. So to me, that's that's really cool because I always think, um, you know, if your average person knew a little bit more about what it takes to grow these products and get them across the country to the grocery store, like people would be amazed. It's, it's pretty incredible. And the, uh, the, the gambling nature of fresh produce, right? Like it, for the most part, it grows outside, you know, so you're at the mercy of weather and, and some different things. And uh, it's, it's a pretty amazing, you know, process that folks go through. So being able to talk to, to those two who started their own businesses was really, really cool. Um, and then Angela Frazier with the California Avocado Com- Commission was uh, another woman I got to know a little bit. Um, and she was just fantastic. She gave me a few names of folks to uh, to talk to about her for the article, of course. And every single one of them, I emailed them. And, you know, five minutes later, I had responses from every single person. And they all just ranted and raved about how much they enjoyed working with her. What a great leader she is. Um, it was kind of an interesting deal because she was one of the co-chairs for the Fresh Summit Committee last year. So trying to figure out, all right, you know, We'd like to be in person, but um, uh, her her co-chair on that committee, Sean Peary uh, with Albertsons, said, you know, she was the one who really pushed pretty early on, like, you know, we want to have an in-person show, but, you know, what are we going to do if we can't have an in-person show? You know, what's that going to look like? Let's make sure we include that, you know, in our presentation to the board and, you know, to the broader group, like, make sure we let them know we thought this through because this is a real possibility. And of course, 
you know, that did end up being being the case that they had to do what what a lot of other folks had to do last year and go virtual on that. So um, Angela is actually graduating with her paralegal degree here in a couple weeks. So she's continued her her education, you know, while working full time, which is awesome. Um, yeah, I, I probably rambled too much. I could go on about uh, about these ladies for, for a long time, but uh, it's a it's always really cool. I know you guys have the same experience to uh, to get to know a little bit, you know, about how how these folks got to where they are. And I always find it inspiring. That's probably kind of cheesy, but <laughs> I always enjoy it. <laughs> That's what this is all about. These these women are inspirational, right? I think so. Again, at the risk of being cheesy, but what are you going to do? I'm cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. That wraps us up for today. In case you're new here, the podcast name is Tip of the Iceberg because this is just a taste of our coverage of the wonderful world of fresh produce. You can check us out on thepacker.com and producemarketguide.com and all over social media. A few recent episodes you may want to add to your library are a discussion with consultant Julie Kravanek who gives seven recommendations for how to grow your business in the next decade, and Driscoll's Vice President Sean Dornage on how the company is reducing the amount of plastic it uses and uses what it does use better. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast.